morning, Kavanaugh. Welcome to the Lord's house. You with us? You awake? <laughs> Let's stand up this morning. Let's begin our worship on that glorious day.
hand. Amen. Way to bring the hype worship team. Thank you. It's awesome. It's good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Has everyone had a good weekend? Pretty good? Yeah, good past week. It's great to see you again. Glad you are here with us. If you're new, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us on this awesome Sunday. And for those online, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying home. We miss you. Hope you're staying healthy as well. Uh, God is good. He's good. I'm so thankful that he called my name and I was able to run out of that grave. All right? It's good. We listen to that song at least five times a week in the car because Jed, my, son, my youngest son Jed, he is just like crazy about that song. It's great. But uh, man... Let's carry that energy to the rest of the worship service, and as we get into God's Word today, I hope and pray that you just are ready. It's an awesome message today, and we're excited to have you here to witness it and hear it. So let's all stand, and we're going to ask God's blessing on our services today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us all back together. It's good that we as a church family can come back together to this place to be able to worship, to encourage, to love, and to listen to you, God. So I'm so thankful for that opportunity today. So Lord, what I'm asking now is for you just to go, go before us in this message, begin to break down the barriers, begin to get rid of all of our, the restrictions that we have already set, and to tear those things down, because we want to be completely transformed by you. We want to com be completely renewed by you, and be made to the people that you want us to be. So we love you. Be with Brother Will as he brings that message, and the worship team as they continue to lead us in worship. In your name, amen. Let's continue to praise.
to read a little bit from Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7, well, and 8. Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. As we continue to sing, we want the Holy Spirit to just have freedom to move in this place. Will you make a conscious effort in whatever way that you do it? Just come and kneel before the Lord, your God. He is our maker. He is our king.
team give them another big hand would you appreciate them appreciate you being here thanks for coming to Kavanaugh today and for those of you who are watching online uh, we certainly welcome you as well I don't know if you remember back before the holidays began I was preaching a, a series of sermons I simply entitled grow uh, we were talking about ways that we can grow from simply being a believer into a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ this series uh, coincided with a little phrase that is found repeatedly in Scripture, and that phrase is day by day, thus the daily way that we grow. And we talked about day by day devotion to God and day by day receiving strength from Him and day by day worship and our daily work. Well, I'm going to use this Sunday to finish that series by using this last day-by-day -day passage. It, it's kind of a difficult sermon, but you know what? You're up for it, right? I think you're with me today, and you can help me as we talk about the daily grind for moral purity. Our scripture passage today has to do with the day-by-day -day temptations that a young man in scripture faced. And, and here's what I know. If you're alive and you're breathing and you're listening, and you're awake, are you there? Yes. I know that you're going to face daily temptations. There is no way you will be exempt from the temptations of the evil one if you're alive and if you're living on planet Earth. And so today we're going to learn from a young man by the name of Joseph of how we can overcome daily temptation. The story we're going to read is found in Genesis chapter 39, uh, but let me, let me just kind of draw the scenario before we get to the biblical passage. Uh, Joseph was one of uh, 12 siblings. His father's name was Jacob. Jacob actually had four wives. He was married to Leah and Rachel. Rachel, of course, was his favorite wife. Uh, he worked for Rachel, but instead of getting Rachel, he was tricked by his father-in-law and he got Leah first. Then he had to work seven more years to get Rachel. They were given their servant girls to live with them. The, the 
wives gave Jacob these servant girls to become concubines because there was competition as to who could have the most children. Are you with me? What a boring story that we're reading, you know? So here's what we have. We have one man, four wives, and 12 boys. That, that is chaos right there. Let me tell you, that, that is a dysfunctional family. But besides that, Joseph was the 11th of the 12 sons, and he was his father's favorite. Why? Because he was the four, firstborn son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. And so Joseph became the favorite son. We know that because the Bible tells us, and Jacob loved Joseph so much he gave him a special gift, which was a coat of many colors. Y'all know the story. Well, that is number one reason why his brothers, the ten older brothers, hated him so much because he was his father's favorite. The second reason they hated his guts is because Joseph was a dreamer. And I guess it's okay to be a dreamer, but then when you start telling your dreams to your brothers who already hate you, it just makes things worse. And so he had at least two dreams, and he told his brothers the, the dreams, and really the, the meaning of the dreams is this. One of these days, all of you brothers of mine are going to bow down in front of me. You're going to give homage to me. And that didn't go over very well. They hated him even more so. One day, the ten older brothers were out taking care of daddy's sheep, and uh, Jacob said, Joseph, I want you to go check on the boys and see how they are with the sheep. And so he did what his father said because he was the favorite and he was obeying daddy and he went out to look for his brothers. They weren't where they were supposed to be and so he traveled on and finally found them at a place called Dothan. When the ten older brothers saw Joseph coming, they thought, you know what? We can take care of this kid right now. Let's kill him. I mean, we hate his guts He's that dreamer that we can't stand. Let's just do away with him. And so they got their younger brother and threw him down into this deep pit, and they were going to kill him there. But all of a sudden, they saw these Ishmaelite merchants traveling to Egypt, and one of the brothers had a bright idea. Let's make some money on this thing. Let's sell him. I mean, he is our own flesh and blood, so instead of killing him, let's just sell him. So they pulled him out of the pit, and sure enough, they sold him to these merchants that were going down to Egypt. And that brings us to Genesis chapter 39. Are you with me? Now, don't, don't leave me. We're going to read several verses, but let's stay intrigued into this saga. Here's Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, through this whole story, I want you to remember that phrase. In fact, it is repeated three more times. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his entire house, and all that he had he put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. 
Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread in which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome, both in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Some translations interpret it, she asked him to go to bed with her. Some of the newer translations say, she said to him, have sex with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph, there's our little phrase, day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the other men of the house were inside that she caught him that old devil woman <laughs> caught him by his garment saying lie with me but he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside and so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying see he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. She's not only a devil woman, she's a lying woman, all right? So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and he fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord showed Joseph, what? Mercy, 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 me. What a mess. What a mess. You know, earlier in this week, in fact, it was on Monday, I was rereading this passage and thinking about it. And my mind just started spinning. And I kept going to, back to this country song, Long Black Train. Anybody know that song, Long Black Train? It, it, it was Josh Turner. Let me tell you about Josh Turner. He started out in gospel music because he is a great Christian man. And he wrote this song, Long Black Train, and it kind of catapulted him into the country music scene. But with all of that, he, re, he retained his Christianity and is, is a great Christian man. Uh, this song, Long Black Train, actually came from a vision that he had. And in a Christian magazine, he told the testimony of this song. Here's what he said about it. He said, this is a song about temptation, something everybody can relate to. And in my thinking, here's what Josh Turner said, in my thinking, it is a pretty black and white subject. 
I've learned that you cannot resist temptation on your own. You can try. In fact, many people have tried. And their stories are the stuff the tabloids and the news reports are made of. I believe that you need the help of the Lord and the help of God's Word to resist the temptations that you face in life. And then he quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape so that you will be able to bear under it. Turner went on to say, God doesn't promise that resisting temptation will be easy, but he does promise that when temptation comes, he will provide the way of escape. He went on to say, and if there's anything else I could say about temptation, it's this. Don't walk away from temptation. Run away from temptation. Walking gives you time to reconsider, to think about it a little longer. And when you're at that point, you're in a bad situation, a bad place to be. So do what the Bible says. Flee temptation. And don't go riding on that long black train. Have you ever seen the video, long black train video? Well, it's a video of this long black train. And as Turner says in his testimony, that train is an illusion to or a picture of temptation. And there are people in the video and they have a choice. Am I going to get on this train of temptation or am I going to avoid it and stay off of the train? Have you seen the video? I'm not going to show the whole video, but... I I've got to show you a little clip of at the end of the video. And watch the people. Some of them choose to get on the long train, which is temptation, and others avoid it. Let's play that video. Well, I can hear the whistle from a mile away. It sounds so good, but I must stay away. That train is a beauty making everybody stare But its only destination is the middle of nowhere But you know there's victory in the Lord I say Victory in the Lord Guess what you're going to be singing all week, huh? <laughs> Just to sum it up, the devil is driving that long black train. Brother, and you've got a choice. You can either get on the train that goes to nowhere, 
or you can avoid the temptation and stay off that long black train. Well, I'm here to tell you, church, moral temptation has been around since the beginning of time. And the Bible itself is littered with the stories of men and women who have succumbed to that temptation of moral failure. But there is one young man in the Bible who didn't get on the train. And his name is Joseph. And his story, as old as it is, gives us the abiding secrets of maintaining our personal purity and saying no to temptation. Now, this is a real practical message, so get your pen out and let's take some notes. How do we avoid temptation in life? Number one, you've got to walk with the Lord. Okay? You've got to walk with the Lord every step of the way. The first secret to moral purity is to realize we are in a spiritual battle. And we must learn to walk with the Lord and to draw from Him the strength that we need for daily victory in this moral struggle that we live day by day. There's got to be a real and uncompromising spiritual commitment in our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to take Jesus by the hand and not let go. Now, Joseph's strength and his ability to resist temptation did not come to him simply because he was a good boy or because he was naive or inexperienced, or because he was an old stuck-up kid that didn't want to have any fun. No, not at all. There is a phrase that is repeated over and over in this passage that gives us a secret to Joseph's moral character. And that phrase is, the Lord was with him. It's stated four different times. In verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. Verse number 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And then in verse 23, the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. The battle against moral temptation in a highly immoral age is a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle can only be won by spiritual people who are using spiritual weapons of warfare. We've got to be serious about drawing near to the Lord and walking with Jesus every day. And let me tell you something, folks. It doesn't, it, it's not about a casual commitment to Jesus. It's about a serious, real commitment to Jesus Christ. And you can't do this just for yourself or for your wife or for your husband or for your family. No, you've got to do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's bigger than yourself. It's bigger than your family. This is a God thing. What do I mean by that? Well, it's important to realize that our God is a God of holiness. I mean, don't, don't forget that. God is a holy God. And our holy God prohibits sexual immorality in just about every book of the Bible. And to win this Bible, we've got to love the Lord. We've got to fill our hearts with the Word of God. And we have to have an understanding and an appreciation 
of the holiness of God. We need His help every moment of every day. We need the inner discipline and strengthening of the Holy Spirit helping us day by day and moment by moment. Because I guarantee you, you're going to have temptation day by day and moment by moment. So the first step in staying off this long black train is you take Jesus by the hand. You make sure that on a daily basis, you're walking with Jesus. And it's not just a casual stroll that you have with him. You're clinging to the hand of Jesus. You know that if you let go of his hand just for one second, you're opening your life up to the temptation of the evil one. And so it's a daily thing, a moment thing. Number two, we need to learn how to control our eyes. <laughs> Did you know that your eyes are the windows of your heart and soul. And so whatever you look at, you're allowing into your mind, into your heart, and into your soul. There are two very interesting phrases in this chapter that explain a whole lot of this story to us. And the first is in verse number six. It says that Joseph was a very handsome young man in his form and in his appearance. And so when it says he was handsome in form, it literally means he was well-built. In fact, that is the way the NIV translates that word, is that he was a well-built young man. Now, let me just kind of back up and tell you what most Bible scholars believe. They believe that when he was sold into Potiphar's house, Joseph was probably somewhere around 17 years old. 17, 18, 19 at the oldest we do know that when he turned 30 years old, he went into service for Pharaoh. So if he was sold into Potiphar's house at the age of 17, there's 13 years between that point in which he entered Egypt and then when he became second in control of all of Egypt. What happened during those 13 years? Well, he spent some time in Potiphar's house and then he spent some time in prison. Again, most scholars believe he spent 11 years in Potiphar's house, and two years in prison. I, I don't know, but I do know he was a young man when he was sold to Mr. Potiphar. And I do know that he was well built. Now, I don't, I don't really know how we interpret that. Everybody, I guess that's up to your own imagination. I think he was just a, you know, good-looking, strong, you know, muscled-up kid that girls like to look at. It goes on to say that he was also handsome in form and in appearance. That word appearance has to do with his face. Form, he was well-built. Appearance, he was good-looking. He was a handsome young man. He was a good-looking young man. When he walked down the street, I guess girls turned their heads and looked at him. Am I making some of you uncomfortable right now? The other interesting phrase is in the very next verse because it couples with that. Verse 7 says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Go to bed with me. Now, that is an interesting phrase that she cast longing eyes on him. Listen to what I'm about to say. Sexual temptation comes to us largely 
through the avenue of our eyes. That's how it starts. Lust of the flesh. I would say the majority of temptation enters into our mind, our hearts, and our souls through the avenue of our eyes. I read not long ago a part of a book entitled Every Man's Battle. We talked about this after the first service. Jason said that they've come out with a a newer version of it for young men. Every Young Man's Battle. Great, great book. Guys, I would highly suggest that that you read it. There's a story in this book, Every Man's Battle, about this one man who was combating pornography. He was into hardcore pornography. Addicted to it. He got his life right with Jesus, and God convicted him of that hardcore pornography, and so he turned his back on it, and he asked God to to deliver him, and you know what? God did deliver him. But after a little bit of time, he realized that there was a whole new set of battles on a slightly different plane. He said he traveled in his business and had to spend nights in different hotel rooms, and so Every night when he came back to his hotel room and nobody else was in the room, he picked up the TV flipper and he would watch movies that he didn't need to be watching. They were not pornographic movies, but they were just movies that had things in them he didn't need to be watching. And don't you look at me like that because you know what? In your living room, you can do the same thing, can't you? He said, I would be driving down the road, and I would notice a good-looking girl jogging on the sidewalk, and I couldn't take my eyes off of her. He said, I I realized that on Sundays, I kind of anticipated getting the newspaper, and I would go directly to some provocative ads that were in the newspaper, and I would feed my mind on those images. And what he said was this, I realized that the sin itself had never really changed, only the delivery system. Because let me tell you guys, and ladies, and all of you who are here, those temptations are out there, and the devil knows exactly how to get into your head. And you need to be very careful about what you look at. Again, sexual temptation comes to us largely through the avenues of our eyes. And that is why the Bible tells us repeatedly that we need to take control of our eyes. Remember Jesus right after he talked about lusting after a woman? He he said, you can look upon a woman with lust in your heart and it's just like committing immorality with her. Remember Jesus saying that? You know what he said right after that? He said, so if your eye offends you, you need to pluck it out. Now, let me just tell you, he's not being literal with us. He's not meaning that you actually take something and poke your eye out or pluck your eye out. What he is saying is this, you need to learn how to control your eyes. The first step in overcoming lust or temptation is to take control of what you're looking at. Perhaps one of the most practical verses in the Bible concerning this is found in the book of Job, chapter 31, verse 1. Here's what Job said. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Now, apparently, Mr. Job had had trouble with this. 
And apparently, Mr. Job sat down one day and considered this and said, I'm going to have to do something about it because this is not right. And so what did he do? He made a covenant with God and with his own eyes that he was not going to look at a young woman. And you might be sitting there saying, well, how do I do that? How do, how do I do that as a man, or how do I do that as a woman? How, how do I control my eyes like that? I think there are a couple of secrets to it. The first secret is this. You need to deliberately avoid looking at anything that could be provocative to you, no matter what it is. If you know that looking at a certain image or a certain thing is going to get to you, then guess what? Don't look at it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Guys, I can't tell you how many times, I'm just being honest, because you know what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a man, I'm flesh and blood, and I cannot tell you how many times I have had to say to myself, Will, keep your eyes straight ahead. Will, don't look over there. Will, turn your head the other way. Oh, boy. <laughs> you understand? You, you just don't, it, don't look at things that are going to tempt you. Don't look at them. And, and you know what? That may cut down a whole lot of what you watch on TV and a whole lot of the movies that you go to. But so what? It is better not to see it than to see it and have that thing stuck in your brain. We have become desensitized to our highly charged immoral age. And we need to renew our commitment to the purity of our eyes. So avoid casting your longing eyes on that which feed sexual temptation and sexual energy. But the other strategy is this. You need to learn how to ricochet your glance. What do I mean by that? You need to, you need to just... Move your head physically and ricochet your eyes when they see something that you don't need to be looking at. The authors of Every Man's Battle calls this bouncing your eyes. And they say that if you learn how to bounce your eyes and you can do that for six straight weeks, then you will win the victory. The problem, they say, is this, that your eyes have always bounced toward the sexual, or toward the temptation. And, and, and you've made no attempt to end that habit. To combat it, you need to build a reflex action by training your eyes to immediately bounce away from the sexual, to bounce away from the temptation, to bounce away from what you're looking at. And they compare it to having your hand over a hot flame or a fire. What do you do? You jerk your hand away. And so the practical application is this. You bounce your eyes away. You turn your head. You don't look at the thing. Could somebody just say amen? How, how do you not get on that long black train? Well, you walk with Jesus, and you learn how to control your eyes. Because let me tell you, what you're looking at is what you're thinking about. And what's in your head is going to make it down to your hearts. So you control your eyes. Number three, you can't give in an inch. 
You cannot yield an inch. Joseph had this inner determination that he was going to win this battle. He had a determination that he was going to resist the temptation. Verse number 8 says, but he refused. Why did he refuse? Well, he understood that immorality really was a threefold sin. It was against someone else. It was a sin against himself. And thirdly, it was a sin against God. Just read with me what he said, verses 8 and 9. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in this house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness, which is going to be a sin against you, against myself, and a sin against God? Man, let me tell you, that, that, that is a great perspective. Uh, another wonderful phrase that we read is in verse 10. It's very significant. It says, so it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to even be with her. He had drawn the boundaries in advance. He was determined, you know what? I am not going to give in to this temptation. I am not going to sleep with this woman. I am going to avoid her altogether as much as possible. He took steps not even to be in the same room with her. I'm blown away, man. I got to say kudos to this 18-year-old kid right here. My lens. He's no longer under the authority of his dad. He's living in a foreign country that worships foreign gods. I mean, he's been abandoned by his own brothers. What, what, what does he have to lose? I mean, dude, let me tell you what. This, this, this cougar of a woman is coming on to him saying all these wonderful things to him about how good-looking he is and how handsome he is and how well-built he is. And she compliments him day in and day out. I, you know, I've, I've tried to imagine Miss Potiphar in my mind. At first, I thought she was probably just this old woman that had a problem. But you know what? Maybe not. Maybe she was a young woman as well. She could have just been a few years older than Joseph. And you know what? I know how the devil works. I don't think she was ugly at all. <laughs> she was pretty attractive, probably. And I mean, she was feeding his ego. She was giving him things that nobody else was giving. And she wanted to give him even more than that. But you know what Joseph did? Joseph had drawn some boundaries. I'm not even going to be in the same room as this woman is. That's why, folks, you cannot give in even an inch. And that's why I encourage our teenagers and our young people to establish some boundaries and parameters even before they begin dating. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I am not going to become physical with the opposite sex. That's why we have to be careful not even to be alone with a member of the opposite sex. I told the first service this, and I don't mind telling you as a congregation, you need to hear it too. 
Every year when we have our staff retreat, I, sometimes I say the same things over and over and over again. And for 23 years, I've been hounding on our staff. Listen, guys, I don't want you to be in the same room with a woman, with somebody of the opposite sex, and it's just you and that person. If you're counseling them, you make sure either the door is open or the window shade is open. You don't get into a car alone with a person of the opposite sex. And dude, it's better to be safe than sorry. And in the world in which we live in, with accusations that fly around like they fly around, you don't even have to be guilty. You say, well, preacher, it's too late for me. Look at me. No, it's not. It's not too late to start over today. It's not too late to start anew today. It's not too late for you to make a die-cast decision. You know what? Today is different. Today I'm going to start walking with the Lord. Today I'm going to control what I look at. Today I am going to make sure I don't give in an inch. And you stick to your guns. We have to be very careful about relationships at work, at home, in the public. We have to be very careful about the environments that we allow ourselves into. And let me just put it like this. You, you need to become paranoid about it. Don't give in an inch. You with me? And when all else fails, you run. That was Joseph's fourth strategy. When all else failed... He ran as fast as he could in the opposite direction. Notice with me these final verses, 10 through 12. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the other men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he... Ran. Remember the words of Josh Turner? If I could say one more thing about temptation, it would be this. Don't walk away from it. Run away from it. Because if you're walking away from it, you have time to reconsider. And that is not a good place to be. So if it comes to it, friend, let me tell you what, you just run. Joseph would rather lose his job and spend the next few years of his life in prison than to compromise his principles, than to betray his trust, than to disappoint his God and mar his life. And if you're going to be victorious, let me tell you, you've got to make up your mind, I am going to be determined about this. I'm going to do the right thing. I am not going to get on that long black train. And the way you avoid it is you walk every day with Jesus Christ. You take Jesus by the hand and you don't let go. You learn how to control your eyes. Oh, I, I just couldn't do that. Yes, you can. God is going to give you the way of escape, but you've got to take it. You've got to divert your eyes. Learn to bounce your eyes. Don't look at that thing. Don't give in an inch. And if you find yourself nose to nose with the devil and you've done all these other things and that temptation won't go away, then what you need to do is turn and run. Well, Joseph, he, he, 
He, he lost everything. He got thrown into prison. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord had bigger things for Joseph. And because Joseph maintained his purity and did what was right, God used Joseph not only to save his family, but to save millions of people. So look at me. You can do it. You can do it. You don't have to go riding on that long black train. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless us right now. Help us to make the decision to trust you. Church, would you stand to your feet? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I've started this prayer. Now I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray that you would help my friends in this room and those who are online. Help them to make where they stand right now their altar of dedication. Lord, if there is anyone listening to the sound of my voice that's never been saved, I pray that today they would choose salvation. and They, they would invite Jesus into their heart and allow you to change their life and write their name into the Lamb's book of life. And then, dear Lord, for all of us who are here in person and watching online, Lord, help us to make that die-cast decision today, just like Joseph did, that we're not going to give in to temptation, that we're going to say no, that we're not getting on that train. Help us, dear Lord, today to walk hand-in-hand with you. Help us, dear Jesus, to get a fresh grip on your hand. Help us, dear Lord, to control our eyes and not look on the evil thing. I pray, dear Lord, that we would make that decision. We're not going to give in even an inch to the temptation. And then, dear Lord, help us to always run away from temptation and into your arms. Lord, help us, be with us, fill us with your spirit, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated just for a moment. Well, sermons like that are kind of hard, tough to preach. Sometimes they're harder to listen to, right? But you know what? We need that. We need the truth of God's Word, and I pray that you would take it, meditate on it, you know? Uh, maybe, maybe the deal is when you, when you start feeling temptation, just start singing that long black train, all right? All right. Are you with me? You can do it. Hey, when you leave, make sure you mask up, drop your offering into the black box. Go out this week and tell somebody about Jesus. Being pray, be praying for each other and for those in our church. We have several people sick and in the hospital. I know Brother Bud is in the hospital this morning. Pray for him. Uh, continue to pray for those who are grieving the loss of, of loved ones. Uh, we have uh, a lot of others who are facing and battling COVID or in quarantine because of it. Lift them up to the Lord. Um, also, tonight at 6.30, we're going to have our adult Bible study online. It's going to be Facebook online. Don Smith is teaching it. Appreciate you doing that, Don. And so y'all tune in tonight for a good Bible lesson. Come back on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We're going to have things for all ages. We will be both uh, in person and online. And uh, be praying for one another, all right? Uh, pray for our new building. It's uh, coming along. I encourage you to go over and walk through it, but be careful. It is a construction zone. Pray with me every day. Pray that God would finish the building, that God would help fund the building, and that God would fill the building, all right? And uh, a lot of exciting things happening. We're going to get back into It's Our Turn campaign later on this spring. Be praying with us about that. Know this. Know this. Kavanaugh Church staff loves you. 
Your pastor loves you, but most importantly, God loves you. Walk with him this week. God bless you. You're dismissed.